Peter Hill Explains, where I invite you to join the science teaching conversation with me about James Clerk Maxwell. It's C-L-E-R-K Maxwell, which we tend to know. It's read, reading from the Great Scientist's Coffee Table uh, book. And uh, even though it's a coffee table book, you pick out that uh, a lot of these situations, um, there's a complex relationship with the mother. Either the mother's really forceful or absent, or it's this, this complex interaction with the mother interacts with the interaction with the world and, um, and and how things things go. There's natural talent and stuff like that with all your different scientists. Uh, James Maxwell, I can't really remember what the relationship with him, his mother is, but what a gentle, nice, decent man. Uh, however, he had Maxwell's equations. There were 20 of them. He got them together. Basically, he had a, just a, the equations were lying about to do with electromagnetism, and he just sort of compiled a compendium of them. And eventually, over the years, they collapsed to four, um, two um, Gaussian ones uh, to do with the uh, field or potential going th- through a surface, and the other one, the other two are. Um, uh, a sort of complex way where a field in electromagnetism, electric electric field collapses, creates a loop field. So the first two are um, uh, point-to-point fields, or you know, uh, following the actual field lines, fairly simple. The second two equations are about um, producing loop fields. So field lines. So at school you're taught that a field line goes from A to B, sort of like a walk. Uh, the idea that something could actually just be a loop is a bit more complex. Um, and it's actually not dealt with at all at school. What could be a fairly simple set of statements aren't made because the people don't understand it, and then they make a much more complex thing. Maxwell, one of the things that uh, really struck him, uh, struck me, is how he wrote about his friend Faraday. And... Uh, Writing about uh, Faraday, you saw what a compassionate, emotionally intelligent person this one was. Okay, let's read uh, Scottish physicist James Maxwell, 1831 to 79. So that's actually not a lot of years, is it? It's um, 48 years. My God, is arguably the greatest scientist of the 19th century. I like this. You can argue it is said, someone has said this arguably. Uh, his work in the areas of electromagnetism, molecular behaviour, gases, astrophysics, colour perceptions were unparalleled and have had a major impact in the world we now live in. Well, James Maxwell was born in June 30, 19, 1813 in Edinburgh, Scotland, the only son of a lawyer called John Clerk. Uh, after his um, after James's birth, the family relocated to a country estate in Glare, uh, Kirk, Cudsbridgeshire, uh, that John Clerk had inherited from his Maxwell's ancestors. At the same time, the family adopted an additional name with the Maxwell. Well, like, uh, what, what are you doing here? Ah, uh, where's the clerks? Aren't you a Maxwell? Uh, no, uh, uh, well, yeah, I'm actually, in fact, Maxwell. Um, 
Uh, here, the young James enjoyed a comfortable rural upbringing. He received early education from the Christian mother, but she died when she was just eight. There you go. Her influence must have been strong, however, for Maxwell remained a devout Christian throughout his life. His father had hired a private tutor to teach the boy, but um, then enrolled him in Edinburgh Academy in, 19, in 14, sorry, 1841. It's interesting, the mother aspect. Would you be Christian from there? I think Christianity has a way of controlling your thoughts at one moment, such that you're Christian at the next moment. It sort of really gets in. A brilliant mind. James' early progress at school was not spectacular. Mm-hmm. So there we go. That's why we, when we write reports, we say the, the best students got a bright future, the middle students got a medium future, and let's hope for the best for the lowest students rather bad. He was a shy boy who made a few friends, which obviously, um, uh, and received the na- nickname Dafty. Dafty. Uh, then, at the age of 14, he surprised everyone by suddenly revealing a brilliant mind. He wrote a complex paper describing the way, a, 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 a way of drawing mathematical curves with a piece of string. His ideas were not completely new, but nevertheless it shows remarkable insight for one so young. This was followed by a succession of prize-winning work in science and mathematics. Um, not that I'm in the same class. I was at the bottom of the class, and then really possibly in a week I suddenly went to the top of the class in maths and science and then eventually some other some of the other subjects but just but it was really one week it was yeah about a one week in um, uh, 1847 when he was 16 Maxwell entered Edinburgh University where he studied natural, moral and mental philosophy. I like moral philosopher. Moral philosophers were like Kant. Um, I'll say he published two scientific papers in the Journal of the Royal Society of Edinburgh. Then, in 1850, Maxwell was accepted to Cambridge University to study mathematics. Fellow undergraduate William Thompson, later Lord Kelvin, described Maxwell uh, in his student days, quote, The impression of power which Maxwell produced... On all he met was remarkable. It is often much more due to his personality than what he said, for many found it difficult to follow his quick changes from one subject to another. His lively imagination started so many hairs, startled so many hairs that before he had run one down, he was off on another. Which um, I think uh, people I should say people criticise me for drop, you know, uh, running several lines of thought at the same time and stopping between the two and they just get frustrated walk, walk, walk away. Fortunately I've had the, the stroke and stuff and that sort of mellowed that down. On graduating in 1854 with first class honours, Maxwell was offered a fellowship at Trinity College, Cambridge. He wrote two papers at this time on the transmission uh, transformation of surfaces by burning on Faraday's lines of force. The latter showed how simple mathematical equations could express the relationship between forces of electricity and magnetism. He took the first step into the exploration of electromagnetism and <coughs> for his work is most remarkable. The important thing is that he said there is no such thing as lines of force. So in this paper, in this book, they say everyone accepts it. And Faraday was right, everyone would accept it. 
And in this book, they don't say, well, the very first step was, no, it's not true. And it's things. Now, on Saturn's rings, in November 56, Maxwell was appointed professor of natural philosophy at Ma'ar Ishal College, Aberdeen. Not long after its arrival there, he heard the subject of the Adam Prize in 1857 was the motion of Saturn's rings. Now, this was the subject that had intrigued Maxwell since his school days, and he decided to complete uh, compete for the prize. He demonstrated that the stability of the rings could only be achieved if they were made up of numerous small solid particles rather than being completely solid or liquid, as has been argued by some. His essays won the prize. One judges uh, the British astronomer Sir Robin Bickerel Airy from Airy's Rings. So if you look in a telescope, and the telescope has a limit, the limit will have a diffraction, which will mean that you will see a star and it'll be a ring around the star due to an Aries ring. Um, one of the judges um, said of Maxwell's work, quote, it is one of the most remarkable applications of mathematics and physics I have ever seen. Maxwell's conclusions were collaborated in 1981 when the Voyager 1 space probe took a close look at the photographs of the rings. Hmm... In 1816, Maxwell was appointed Professor of Natural Philosophy at King's College in London. His responsibilities here were more onerous than those at Aberdeen, with lectures for nine months a year, as well as evening classes. Nevertheless, during the five years he spent in London University, he did most of the remarkable work of his life on electromagnetism. Electromagnetism. Scientists have been aware since 1820, the electricity and magnetism was somehow connected. When the Danish physicist Hans Christian Ørsted came to a remarkable discovery that uh, in the course of a lecture, and it is interesting that he was giving a lecture, and he was giving a lecture about can, and he moved a current uh, thing again. Passing electric current through a wire on his desk, he noticed that the needle of a nearby compass was from north. He realised the electric current had produced a magnetic field around the wire. Elsted's uh, discovery, the English scientist Michael Faraday wondered if the opposite might be true, if magnetism could produce electricity. Oh, that's a, a long shot. There's a, there's a whole series of Davy projecting it and him having to produce a whole series of things. In 1831, the year of Maxwell's birth, Faraday proved it could be uh, uh, could by showing what the wire moves within the field of the magnet. Of course, electricity current to flow along the wire. This effect is in electromagnetism is induction, and the principle behind the operation of electric generators and dynamos. Most important is that what Faraday discovered was circular, circulating uh, electric fields and magnetic fields. It's just pretty amazing. Faraday went on to develop some theories about the connection between electricity and magnetism, but could not complete his work, partly because his stroke, stroke partly because his work was leading up the shit creek. Maxwell took up the challenge and searched for an explanation of the relationship between the two forces. He soon realised that electricity and magnetism were alternative expressions of the same phenomenon, electromagnetism. Complete and utter bollocks. Uh, he proved this by producing intersecting electric and magnetic waves from a simple electric current. What? Maxwell expressed this mathematically in four linked equations, which he doesn't know. He expressed it in 20 equations, now collectively known as Maxwell's equations, which he presented to the Royal Society in 1864. So, incorrect, he presented 20 equations, and we developed 
ways of writing shorthands, a differential and integral version. So, Maxwell's equations show that electricity and magnetism waves travel at a speed very close to that of light. This led him to the remarkable conclusion that if light itself was a form of electromagnetic wave, his connection of light and electromagnetism proved hugely important miles, huge in the history of physics. Furthermore, he suggested that other types of electricity waves, different wavelengths may exist, which was verified in 1887 after Maxwell's death, when German physicist Heinrich Hertz produced the first man-made radio waves. Uh, further confirmation of Maxwell's theory followed... Um, with the discovery of X-rays in uh, 1895, X-rays and then um, electrons. But my um, my issue there is that Heinrich Hertz is another gentle soul. What a lovely soul! Behaviour of gases. In 1865, Maxwell returned to Scotland and took up the residence in Glenair. Um, his attention turned to the problem of behaviour of gases. This work was a continuation of a series of studies by a number of early scientists including English physicist James Joule. In 1840, Joule had discovered that heat was a result of the movement of molecules. This gave rise to a new scientific discipline called thermodynamics, which is uh, Flanders and Swan used to sing the song about thermodynamics, uh, which heat is work, and work is heat. That's pretty amazing. Uh, which includes the study of how gas molecules move. Eight years later, Joule managed to estimate the speed of a gas molecule. However, he assumed that all molecules travel at the same speed, whereas, in fact, the speed of molecules vary greatly due to their collisions with other molecules. It's sort of like um, uh, everyone's standing still in a tuck shop, and then they start to move, and some people run fast, hit others slow down. It's just like a real schmozzles. Maxwell realised it would be impossible to work out the actual speed and position of every gas molecule at every moment in time. What he could do, however, was work out the probable distribution, that is, the speed and position of molecules at any given moment. The application of probability to molecular uh, uh, activity was the evolution and offered the best explanation of the behaviour of gases that's yet been devised. Maxwell presented the theory in 1866. It came to be known as Maxwell-Boltzmann Connected Theory. Ludwig Boltzmann, an Austrian physicist, had independently researched, came to the same conclusions also in 1866. Very important, important point. So if, if someone comes at the same time, you just can't just say, and we're only going to talk about one horse, and they're racing, racing, yeah, and you, you, you call the entire race, and then, ah, oh, and it's a photo finish. With what? The other horse I didn't tell you about. You've got the things you can see. The, the, the birds have lost a beautiful, beautiful tree um, and um, they're pissed off. You can hear that. Um, they, 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 uh, you can imagine a bird not understand. Imagine I came home and my house was completely bulldozed and I'm going, what? Let's go. Um, in 1871, Maxwell's invited to become the first Cavendish Professor of Physics in Cambridge University. The post was named in order of Henry Cavendish, uh, 1731 to 1810. The eccentric English scientist was famous for, among other things, an accurate esti uh, estimate of the density of Earth. So also interested in running away from women, not being able to look at women, uh, and um, measuring voltage uh, 
making a circuit where he was actually in the circuit and the butler would increase the, the power and measure it right down. You screamed very loud, my lord. You sound very, very loud. Let's plot this. So this is the voltage versus you screaming, my lord. There's lots of fantastic stories there. But uh, taking up the offer, Maxwell designed uh, and set up the Cavendish Laboratory, which opened in 1874. It became renowned as a centre for human research and experimental physics, as it is today. He spent the next few years editing Cavendish's extensive collection of papers and repeating many of the experiments. In doing so, Maxwell greatly contributed to the history of physics by revealing that shy, reclusive Cavendish had been decades ahead of his time, particularly in his researches of electricity. Maxwell continued the post until his death, from abdominal cancer in 1874, the young age of 48, which uh, part of his thing of doing is that he was a reflective, sensitive historian. This is someone who had the capacity, to, the, the science and the capacity and understanding to be a historian, to go, go back. So he wrote really sensitive obituary for Faraday. It was very amazing the way that he pulled out the story of Cavendish. So Cavendish was destined to be another freak. He pulled it out and of course this idea of freak, the idea of scientists as the freaks, which is like, like this is really a freak book there, is by people who are so stupid they actually think that they're, they're, they are the element of evolution. They think well, I'm not a scientist because I'm actually not a freak. However, I'm cool enough to talk about the freaks, so it's really cool. Legacy. When one looks at the sheer breadth of Maxwell's achievements, it's difficult to imagine they were all the work of one man. His work uh, in such diverse fields as electromagnetism, molecular behaviour of gases, colour theory and astrophysics are truly groundbreaking and enable development of many of today's technologies. Uh, of all the achievements, his contribution to electromagnetism is undoubtedly his greatest, no doubt. And his book, Electricity and Magnetism, 73, remains a classic work in science. It's like classic, the, the Republic. Sort of, you wouldn't read it for, for, for an action thriller or an entertainment or something like that. This is Plato's Republic. Um... As physicist Richard Feynman noted, quote, from a long view of history of mankind, seen from, say, 10,000 years from now, there can be little doubt that the most significant event of the 19th century will be the judge that's Maxwell's discovery of the law of electrodynamics. Of course, he was, obviously, lecturing on electrodynamics, so that's why... Yeah, OK. Maxwell's name is not instantly familiar as those as Newton and Einstein partly because he's no longer alive when the significance of his work became evident. Yet many regard his work as the beginning uh, and being on par with theirs. Essentially, um, oh, I don't know, he didn't have any space theory and stuff like that. Very modest man who did not seek public fame, Maxwell achieved happiness simply from his work. Oh, well, I think... Uh, no, Mendeleev's work. This is the the general thing with these people. I think he just achieved happiness by not sc screwing other people over. Not be my view. I, I think he was in his work and 
in a world where people screw you over, at least the physics can be true and you can work it on. He just didn't get involved in shit. Um, Maxwell's, uh, okay, as Maxwell himself said in 1860, quote, while following out the discoveries of the teach, um, of the teachers of science by must experience in some degree the same desire to know and the same joy at arriving at knowledge which encouraged and animated them. So, so the teachers of science, he was talking about Faraday and Cavendish. He said, you know, and this is perhaps me as well, in terms of you read about these people and you look at the theory and I just think it's it's sort of an enrichment thing. So, so there's sort of two ways. There's uh, the fairy book story and now the birds were in the forest and Little Red Riding Hood came along and then there was the fox. Let's talk about fox anatomy. You know, the, 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 the fairy story to facts. Or you're talking about fox anatomy and you can then talk about the human values of the people who looked at it. Slightly different view going through it. Thanks a lot for listening. Another story comes to a close. It's been a pleasure sharing this moment in time with you. May you discover truly amazing things, understand them and tell others. Thanks for listening.